Awesome. So we're going to pass the offering around. Uh, we're in First Peter chapter 4 tonight, 1 through 11. Um, before I even start, I want to read the passage itself and give honor to God's word. So right after the offering is passed through, do you mind standing with me in honor of God's word tonight as we read? Um, you can follow along. We're going to be in verse 1. So please, yeah, stand up. We're going we're gonna to honor God's word. We're going to read it. First Peter 4.1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself also with the same attitude. Because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you, but they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to God. So that they might be judged and live according to God in regard to spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded, self-controlled, so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, the power, and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is God's word to God's people. We're going to pray. Father God, thank you so much. God, we just come and agree tonight that your word is truth, that your word is power, that your word keeps us in line. Father, we ask that you would come and fill us now. Father, fill this place. Move, God, and speak to us. Change our minds, change our hearts for your glory. God, we don't want to be the same. So we just invite you in this place, God. I pray that whoever is discouraged tonight, doubting, um, just feeling at the end of their rope, that they would be lifted tonight by your spirit. God, we just bind the enemy right now who is distracting, dis destroying, causing division. We just pray against every weapon of the enemy right now. We render it useless in Jesus' name. Father, just come right now. Um, I just confess and move myself out of the way. Father, I just pray that you just speak what you want to speak. May your words stick and my, may my words fall to the ground. We love you, God. We're excited. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. You're welcome to sit down. Thank you for reading the word with me. Um, really glad you're here. My name is David. I'm a leader here. I love serving at Thrive. Thrive's an awesome ministry. It's changed my life. Jesus has used it to pull me up out of the grave and give me identity, to give me purpose, to give me community. And as a result of that, everything has changed for me. God's been working on me. I'm on a journey. Nobody here is perfect, but we're being perfected daily. So if you are here tonight and you feel like you don't belong, I just want to tell you that you do belong. And you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to strive. You are loved by God. 
You are precious in God's eyes and you matter tonight. And before we get into this passage, I just want to thank you for being here because each one of you is an encouragement to somebody here. The moment you walk through those doors and you take the courageous step to come to this place, people are encouraged. For example, Amanda's testimony tonight, that is so powerful. Like who could step up here and share the deepest, darkest things that they've done and be okay with that? That shows that God's doing a work in this place. We are not playing church. We want to be real. And we're okay with our brokenness. We're okay with our past. But we don't want to stay there. But we want to let God move us to new levels and new growth. So I love this place because this place isn't a game. This place is real. So thank you for being real. Title of my sermon tonight, if you're taking notes, is Dawn is Coming. Dawn is Coming. Um, so many of us are going through so many different struggles, so many issues and persecutions, or maybe you're going through battles at work or in your, your mental life or you're battling things. I just want to tell you tonight that if you're suffering and you're feeling discouraged, dawn is coming. Dawn is coming. The dark, the night may be dark, and some nights you might not be able to sleep and you might feel like you can't even do it anymore. I want to tell you dawn is coming that Jesus is coming back, that he will make every wrong right, and he will restore you to himself. So whoever you are at tonight, that is the title of our sermon. As we look at 1 Peter 4, 1 through 11, we see that this passage isn't ordinary. It is speaking of the end times. It is speaking that the time is short, that dawn is coming, that Jesus is going to return, and we're all going to give an account one way or another. So before I, I dive into it, I, I want to give you guys... A story. I really want to share a story from, from the heart. Um, a couple years ago, I was just in town, and um, I received some news that a friend of mine that I went through high school with and was a, was a partner in, in sports with um, had passed away. And it, and it broke my heart because he was 20 years old. And I won't go into too much detail because he, you know, he is a guy that's known in this community. And... Um, I looked up to this guy. Me and him, me and him, we played sports together, and he, he was he was an excellent person. He was a person that put in a lot of work. He was a person that um, he was friends with everybody. Everybody loved this guy. And in terms of his life, he had everything going for him. I mean, he was a decorated athlete. He had a full ride to school. He was studying a really good job, getting into a really good job. And one night, I won't go into too much detail, but he woke up the next morning. He was gone. 20 years old, gone. His life was over. And I remember hearing the news and just being broken, just knowing that um, God had called him home. I mean, out of all people, somebody like him who's, in all, in all respects, practically invincible. I mean, physically fit beyond belief, like um, playing sports at a high Division One level, smart, charismatic, had a lot of what the world would really appeal to. It was all taken from him in one night. And I want to come up here, and I want to come up here and sound all gloomy and doomy, but this is the nature of life. Why do I share that? Because the best of us here tonight are men at best, and none of us are invincible. None of us can say that we know what tomorrow brings. You might be healthy, you might have a perfect blood pressure, you might have a perfect health and a career and a job, but it could all be taken in one night. And as I heard this news, I was broken that I never actually shared the gospel with this person. I never actually took opportunity 
to love this person because at the time I was too focused on myself more than this person's needs. And why do I share that? I want to share that to give us an urgency tonight that none of us are, you know, infallible or so to speak like eternal beings that we're going to live forever on this earth. We might be eternal in the next life, but I'm saying now. You don't even know of tomorrow's promise. Why are you worrying tonight about everything in the future? So with that, I'm going to dive into the passage. But there's four attitudes I want to look at tonight as a result of dawn coming, as a result of Jesus returning and coming back and making everything right. If this is the case, if the case is that all of us are human beings that are flawed and none of us are going to live forever on this earth and it could be a matter of time before Jesus calls us home in any way, then what lives should we live? Should we live lives just focused on ourselves or should we live lives focused on eternity? Should we live lives that matter, right? So Peter in this passage is appealing to us. The end of all things is near. Beloved, like, he's like, don't waste your life. Don't waste it. Don't, don't play games. Don't go around just building up wealth or building up your own pride. Live for God. Live for God like your life depends on it. So tonight, I, I want to go into that idea. I want to go into that idea of like, okay, David, so what? Y'all are saying, okay, Dave, like, why are you so negative and, you know, but it's like the truth is like this is real life. Like real life is that it's nothing is certain. So tonight I want to give us four attitudes um, that we should exhibit as a result of dawn is coming, the result of Jesus coming back, the result of we're all going to stand before him and answer. We're all going to answer for our lives. So tonight, <clears throat> my first point, in the last days we should have an attitude of commitment. That's my point number one. And as I read this, the first two verses, it says, Since, therefore, Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh of his lust, but for the will of God. So I want to ask you tonight, what does an attitude of commitment look like? Well, who else can we look at attitudes of commitment than Christ himself? The verse itself says, since Christ suffered in his body, you then arm yourself with the same attitude. It means, here is Jesus Christ. He set the example. He lived a perfect life. He took on what you are going to take on. Be like him. Take on his calling. Take on his commitment what was Jesus' attitude toward commitment? He, he took it on himself. He did not despise it. He said, this is my calling in life, and I'm going to own it. I'm going to own my suffering. I'm going to own this, and I'm going to commit to this. Why? Because I want to please my Father. I want to please Father God. And he did that for us. In that same way, we are called to be like Jesus. I want to read 2 Timothy 2. I love this. Paul speaks to Timothy. Paul's like Batman. Timothy's like Robin, and they're just partners in crime. Paul's like a gangster for the Lord. Tim's like a gangster junior and disciple trying to learn how to run the streets. And uh, he says this, hey, Timothy, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving a soldier, as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. 
In that same way, we are soldiers of Christ, and we want to please our commanding officer. Our commanding officer said, it won't be easy, it will be hard, but it will be worth it. Whatever you're battling right now, I will make it right. I will help you through it. But here's the thing. You're going to have to choose suffering. You're going to have to choose my way. Because the truth is, we're going to suffer both ways. There's two types of suffering in the world. There's suffering for being a Christian and living for God's way. Or there's suffering for living for yourself and reaping wrath from God, right? Anyone here done what you wanted and thought I could get away with it and then you just felt horrible? You just felt worse? In that same way, it's like we can choose suffering or we can choose the right will of God and be happy for him. Jesus said to us in Matthew 16, anyone who seeks to follow me must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. Jesus put the world behind him, and he put the cross before him, and he walked through his life on purpose because he knew there was a, there was a reason for it all, to save us, to save you, to make us one with him. So this passage really blew my mind because at first I was studying it and I was like, what the heck? Like, what does this mean? Like, arm yourself with Christ's attitude. And then it says, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. I'm like, nobody here is done with sin. Like, anyone here never sin at all? Like, you found Jesus and your whole life turned upside down and you don't sin at all. You just, you walk on water. You know, your teeth are whiter, your streps are lighter. Um, everything looks brighter. Like, No. Let's be real, like, I sinned on the way here, you know, like, I'm sinning probably as I'm preaching, because I, I, you know, there's, there's stuff that we do, you know, we all fall short, so it's like, all right, I'm not going to finish without sin here, like, so I, I study this passage, and I realize, like, it's not talking about, hey, if you suffer for Christ, you'll never sin again. It means, if you suffer for Christ, and say no to your fleshly desires, even when you want to sin so bad, and you still say, all right, God, not my will, but your will be done, and you turn your back on that desire, even though your flesh wants that desire so bad, and in the moment, if you gave in, you'd experience pleasure, and you'd feel good for a moment, but you, if you said, I'm going to pick Jesus's way, though it may be harder right now, though it may be difficult right now, I'm going to do the right thing right now, and I'm going to reap the blessing of that. So this kind of blew my mind, and maybe this um, this quote will this uh, quote will help. It says, "Whoever has suffered for doing right and has still gone on obeying God, in spite of the suffering it involved, has made a clear break with sin." So that means, like, if you're suffering for doing right and you're being persecuted and you're choosing, saying no to your flesh and you're battling that and you're saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pick God's way and you, you turn from that sin, it means that sin's power is broken in your life. Because the truth is that every single one of us tonight, there's sin and suffering put before us. And you're going to pick one or the other. You're going to pick it tonight. You're going to pick it tomorrow. There's going to be, the enemy's going to come he's going to say, are you going to pick sin? Because I'm going to give you a way out right now. God's going to say, are you going to pick suffering right now and say no to your flesh? Then you have two options. Sin in the moment will be easy, right? Giving in to sin is easy. So heck yeah, man. Like I'm a Christian, but I still like to turn up, right? It's like, and it's easy. Saying no is hard. But I want to encourage us tonight. When you say no to your sin 
It's hard in the moment, but as a result of saying no and living for God, it'll be easier later because you won't reap the consequences of that sin, correct? So like right now, it's like, ah, this is so hard, but I'm not going to do it because you know what? Jesus came to this earth and he said no when he wanted to take the cup and he said, Father, let this cup pass from me in the garden. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. In that same way, he said no right then, and he said yes to the cross. And because of that, you're saved. Because of that, you're not in hell tonight. Because of that, you're not broken beyond belief. Because of that, there's hope tonight. In that same way, we're battling every night, and it's like, man, I want to do what's easy right now. I want to give in. I want to I go party my brains out. I want to just be a, 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 in the darkness. It's going to be easy right now, right? But tomorrow when you have an addiction that you can't break out of or you uh, have all these consequences from your sin, it's hard, right? It's very hard. But tonight you could say no to whatever you're struggling with and say, all right, it's going to be really hard right now, but it's going to be easy tomorrow when I say I don't have to reap the consequences. I get to reap joy like Christ. So I want to encourage us tonight that tonight we are faced with two possibilities, sin or suffering. Choose what you want. On the one hand, we can choose to live like the unsaved people around us, sharing in their sinful pleasures and avoiding persecution. Or we can live in purity and godliness, bearing the reproach of Christ and suffer at the hands of the wicked. I want to share a quote from um, a martyr in the faith. I was reading and studying this, and this will really bring it home. James Guthrie was a martyr, and right before he went up to be hung for his faith, for Jesus, he said this. Dear friends, pledge this cup of suffering as I have done. Before you, sin. For sin and suffering have been presented to me, and I have chosen the suffering part. This man chose to suffer for Christ rather than sin and not take on dying for his faith. And this is encouraging because it says, if we do this, it says, Peter, Peter is like crying out. And he's saying, if you do this, verse 2, as a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Amen? Anyone here lived in the will of God and experienced such joy and excitement and peace beyond belief? You're like, wow, I love this. When you're just worshiping God or you're serving God and you're just like choosing his way over your flesh and your sin. Because the truth with sin is sin will always take us farther than we want to go, cost us more than we want to pay, and keep us longer than we want to stay. But God's will brings life. Amen? Anyone here been in the will of God and been like, wow, fountains of living water just flowing up within you and joy, joy just flowing out of you and glory, people coming up to you, what's different about you? I know a Jesus and I know his love for me. And that is the kind of love that can change your life. That is the kind of love that can change your life. So I want to encourage you tonight, God is better. And I, I preach this a lot, but I will keep preaching it. God is better. Stop selling out for the flesh. And I'm not up here preaching at you. I'm preaching at myself too. Amen. We're all in this together and we get deceived quickly. We forget God's truth every day. We need to be reminded of it every day because we're like the Israelites who are in the wilderness. But we forget each day 
what God brought us out of. And we're like, I want to go back to Egypt and have filet mignon. And I want to eat, you know, sushi. You know, and I want to just go back. And he's like, well, don't you remember, like, they were beating you with whips and, like, you were a slave to, like, your flesh? And like, no, I don't want to be in the promised land. Take me back. So tonight, I want to encourage you. You don't have to stay where you're at. Let's move on. Second point tonight, if you're taking notes, studies show that 10 out of 10 people that take notes go to heaven. So I'm watching you guys. I have to take notes. My second point is in the last days, in, in the light of dawn coming, we should live with an attitude of wisdom. Amen? Where it says, for you have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelry, drinking parties, and idolatry. In regard to this, they think it's strange that you do not run with them into the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. But don't worry, Peter says, they will give an account to God who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached to those who are dead. They might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. So Peter says, have we spent, Peter asks us, have you spent enough time living in your old life? He says, have you not had enough of what the Gentiles enjoy? Like are you, are you still believing that sin can satisfy you or are you believing that God is better than your sin? So Peter's asking us here, he says, for you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans do. So I want to ask you tonight, have you not had enough living in sin and death? Are you ready to turn from this? Are you ready to turn fully to God and experience his way of life, his greater glory? And I don't want to sit up here and beat the sheep up. I'm, I believe in building the sheep up and encouraging people. But that doesn't happen unless we get into some of the nitty-gritty stuff and actually deal with what's happening inwardly. So I want to share this quote. Sadly, many Christians in their heart of hearts think that they have not spent enough time doing the will of the ungodly. They want to experience more of the world before they make a full commitment to godliness. This is a tragic mistake and takes a path that leads away from eternal life. Like so many of us find God, but it's like, oh man, I haven't had enough of the world still. Like, like God, like man, it's just boring. Like I want to have fun. I want to, I want to go out and party and I want to experience both sides. And I remember talking to one of my friends, shared his testimony when I was in Bible college in Israel and he was like, dude, I spent some time in the world, man. And, like, he said it was the worst. Because, like, we went to college together. He did one semester, and then he took off and didn't come back to Bible college for another year. I'm like, dude, what happened? And he's like, Dave, like, I had too much of God in me to fully enjoy the world. But I had too much of the world in me to fully enjoy God. I was like, wow, like, that sounds horrible. Like, like being one foot in both sides, like, where should I stay or should I go, you know, like, I don't know, you know, and so, and he cried out to me, and he's like, man, he's like, that was the most miserable year of my life, Dave, and he's like, now I have so much joy, so we're in Bible college in Israel, and he gets totally just, re like, revived that semester, meets his wife, and now gets saved, and I mean, like, just reignited, and now he's pastoring, like, totally just turned around, he had to actually taste how bad it was, 
in the world before he could fully taste how good God was. And so how many of us have been there, you know? And it's okay. God can redeem even the worst parts of you. He can redeem the most evil in your heart. He looked at you and he saw everything in you. He said, I still want that man. I still want that woman of God. I'm going to die for you. Knowing your sin, past, present, and future. He said, I want all of that. Amen. He's going to take us. And he's going to clean us up. And he's going to make us whole. And he's going to send us out. That's the God we serve. To illustrate this point, I want to, earlier I talked about how sin will take us farther than we want to go, keep us longer than we want to stay, and cost us more than we want to pay. So I want to be a little bit more personal, you know, open up about my life as well. Um, Some of you guys don't know, I work in, um, for the government. And uh, (laughs) that's what I'll say. I forget it's on Facebook Live, so I probably don't want to go too much detail, but... um, God's done a lot through me, and, and, and recently, working in my field, I've realized, and I can't, I won't go into too much detail, but I realized that people I went to school with are now serving hard time in prison. People that I knew, that I grew up with, one of them, we grew up together and we had slumber parties at my house. And this week, I found out that he's serving hard time, and I won't say where or details, obviously, I won't share because I like my job a lot, a lot. Um, I love preaching too, but I like my job. Um, all that to share, these few people that I've realized this week are serving time. And it broke my heart because I knew these people growing up, and I knew I saw the flesh in their life from a young age. I saw their proclivities toward sin and how they were drifting literally drifting away, and I, I could tell um, with one of them that I could notice habits that were developing. Little did I know that these little habits, these sinful habits that were little at the time, not a big deal, had, had erupted in these people's lives to the point that they had gone on to commit big-time crimes and are now serving hard time. Never did I expect these two people or these people that I grew up with to go to that level. It broke my heart as I sat there reading and figuring out how they got where they got. And they're bound. I mean, the one thing we have in our life is our freedom, right? In this country, I'm from the Middle East. We don't really have freedom. Um, We get persecuted for being Christians where I'm from. But in this country, we have our freedom. And the one thing we can lose is our freedom when we choose to live for our flesh. Because the truth is we can sit here and judge those people behind bars, but any one of us here tonight is capable of the worst in us. We're capable of doing things we could never imagine. And I, and I want to encourage us tonight, be serious about your sin because your sin is serious about you. It's serious about taking over your life and dominating you. Tonight is a night for repentance and confession and realness. Just like Amanda came up here and shared her brokenness, it started with her opening up And saying, you know what, I'm okay to not be okay. I understand I have these brokenness in my life, and so do we all. And said, I want to change, and I'm going to get help. And I don't want to beat you up tonight, because you might have issues in your life that don't just happen over confession and repentance tonight. You might need to get help. You might need to go get help for those things. That's okay. But I want to encourage you, don't put it off. Do it now. 
because you have a destiny on your life. And I'm sick of seeing the enemy kill and destroy my friends and people I care about, people I see destiny in, people I see love and hope in that are being robbed of their lives. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give life and life abundantly, Jesus said. Jesus wants to give you life, but you got to want it too. It is for freedom that we have been set free, so therefore remain free, it says in Galatians. Don't go be entangled to your old life. Don't go back. Don't go back. I urge you tonight. Surrender that to the Lord. Let him heal you. Let him help you. You don't have to live alone. All right, moving on. My third point tonight. In the last days, we should live with an attitude of serious prayer. Verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-control so that you can pray. The weight of eternity is rushing at us at an unstoppable speed. Every thought, choice, action, inaction will count when he comes. We are to be serious when it comes to our prayer lives because our life depends on it. Prayer is powerful to change us and the world around us. It would be a shame if we did not take advantage of such a gift from God. And before I go into this, I want to share about prayer, how it has changed my life. I okay, so I serve at a, at a church plant out in the Key Peninsula called Waypoint South. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Um, it's a small church. We started with 50 people from Waypoint North. Waypoint North is running about 400, 500 people. And we realized, you know what, 20 miles down on the south of the Key Peninsula and all the way in Long Branch, there's no church really. Reaching the lost. So we went to Evergreen Elementary School and we planted a church two years ago. Started with 50 people from Waypoint. Went down there, planted it. And it's hard. I'll admit, I'm an intern there and I get to do announcements every week and preach. So they let me go up and I give like a 10-minute message. It's awesome. But anyways, um, it's hard. We show up at 8 a.m. and we have to set up the whole room like this. We set it up. We have to do coffee. One week they put me in charge of coffee. I screwed that up. I don't, they don't let me do coffee anymore. Um, but they do let me do other stuff. But anyways, it's hard. It's hard. And we show up, and there's a lot of warfare. We go into things um, every week. It's teardown, set up, you know. And there's some real battles that we faced in the beginning. But God has been really working in our church. And the reason I share that is our church isn't a really flashy church. We're not like a mega church or a church that has, like, great social media presence. We don't really have that. We don't have dynamic preachers. We don't have anointed worship. We really, I mean, okay, we do. But, like, we don't have, like, we don't have, like, a concert, you know what I mean, fog machines. We don't really have, like, all of that, right? But one thing that blew my mind, I've been here, been there for about a year. We are a praying church. And it blew my mind this week as I was standing in my church. And the moment I walk in, it's 8 a.m., and there's people setting up the church. And what's happening? People are praying for one another. It blew my mind. From the moment church starts at 8 a.m. till noon, there's people being prayed for everywhere. Prayers breaking out. And I was like, wow, God, like this is amazing. This is a praying church. And that's what God intended. And the reason I share that is um, this week I was, I was praying. And two things. Um, we'll have, during our worship time, we'll have people on the sides praying for people that need it, for healing, for, for encouragement, whatever. And one week, I'm on the side praying and for people. 
this lady comes up to me and she's crying and I'm holding her in my hands and I'm like, what am I going to do? And she's like, everything hurts, David. Literally, my body's killing me right now. And this lady has cancer. And I'm like, what do I do, God? Like, I haven't experienced this. Like, how do I encourage her? How do I even? So I held her in my arms and she's crying and I'm praying for her. And I'm like, God, just comfort your daughter right now. Comfort her. Heal her. And I just saw her walk away and just thank me and, and just light up. And there's nothing more loving you can do for somebody than pray for them. And the second part of that is um, my younger brother who's a believer, but he's a young guy. He's 17. And one tendency I've seen in a church is a lot of young people fall under the cracks. And people don't really see them as gifted or people don't really see them as mattering. People think, oh, he's young. He has a junior Holy Spirit. We don't really care about those kids. Let's let all the older people serve. And that's something I noticed in my brother. But last week I'm at church and this lady who's very gifted in prophecy and speaks truth over people is standing there laying hands on my brother's heart. And she's just speaking over him. And she's like, you are called. You are loved. You are an evangelist. And just speaking like words of truth over my brother. And I'm standing next to her and I'm laying hands on my brother. And I'm crying. Like, wow, God. Wow. Like, that is what can happen when prayer happens. And my brother, who I love and like I adore, I see him light up. And I'm like, wow. Like, his whole countenance changed. My younger brother, the rest of the day and the next few days, he's a totally different person. I'm like, wow, like just one prayer reminding him of who he is in Christ and why he matters. And his whole week changed. He's going out and just loving on people. So I want to tell you tonight, prayer is powerful and you carry that in you. And you can pray for people and you can speak things into people's life and activate them. You see a gift in somebody you don't just keep it to yourself. You go to that person and you say, I see that gift in your life. And you affirm that person. I would have never been up here giving messages if it wasn't for people seeing it in me and encouraging me in that. So in that same way, I want to encourage us. How are our prayer lives? Are we praying like our lives depend on it? Are we praying like it matters? Or are we just putting prayer in the background and choosing other things, our own comfort first? Because I want to share this quote. Leonard Ravenhill, who's a great prayer warrior, he said, no man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who's not praying is playing. People who are not praying are strained. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. Many players and payers, few prayers. Many singers, few clingers. Lots of pastors, few wrestlers. Many fears, few tears. This one's a little convicting. Much fashion, little passion. You guys see that a lot? Why, why not both, right? Many interferers, few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. Who, who here wants to write a book? I heard a story of a guy that came up to somebody this week who's an author and is like renowned in, in, in writing. He's like, he's like, hey, how do I get my book published? And he's like, have you, have you even written a book yet? He's like, no. I haven't even started writing it yet, but how do I get it published? Why don't you write your book first, and maybe if it impacts some people, then you can publish it, and then it might sell if God wants to use your book. You know, in that same way, failing here, we fail everywhere. So I want to encourage us tonight. None of us are greater than our prayer life. And the truth is, dawn is coming, and your life is coming to an end, and our life here is short. And I don't say that like you're going to die tonight. I hope not. 
but your life is a vapor. You're here today, gone tomorrow. James says it himself, redeem the time. It says 50, no, 70, 80 years are given to some. And it says, choose to redeem the time. Let us gain a heart of wisdom so we can redeem the time. So I want you to encourage you. Pray like your life depends on it. Pray like the lives of others depend on it around you because it does. And don't leave any prayers unsaid or unprayed before Jesus comes or calls you home. Why? This blew my mind this week. When we get to heaven, there won't be any lost people. Right? There won't be any prayers, really. I mean, okay, that's, I won't say it. There will be prayers to Jesus, but I'm saying there won't be prayers like, like now, like prayers for healing or prayers, because in heaven, everyone's healed. Amen? Everyone's healed. But here, you have an opportunity to bring hope to the lost. You have an opportunity to help people encounter God. And it's like, wow, I don't want to miss out on that. I don't want to get to heaven and have sermons still left in my heart that I didn't preach. I don't want to get to heaven and not pray for people I should have prayed for. And I shared this here a few weeks ago. There's a guy that I ministered to at the gym one, one week, five years ago. I didn't even know the guy. I went up to him. He had a Christian tattoo on his arm. I'm like, hey, nice anchor. It's like Hebrews 6, 18. This guy's like yoked. And I'm like, God's like, pray for this guy. I'm like, God, he's like, he could kick my butt right now. Um, so I go over him like, hey, man, I just met you. This is crazy. Um, I hope this works. You know, in, in the back of your head, you're just thinking, I hope this works. You're like, dude, can I pray for you? Like, I just feel like I should pray for you. He's like, yeah, I like that. So I lay hands on him, and I'm just praying over him. And uh, he's like, dude, that was really awesome. Thank you. Five years goes by. I haven't talked to the guy. And I'm like, all right, whatever. And he texts me one day. He's like, hey, Dave, remember when you prayed for me five years ago in that gym? I want to thank you. That's the most brave and courageous thing someone has ever done for me in my life. Well, I want to encourage you, Dave, because yesterday I gave my life to the Lord. Five years I've been an atheist. I've been fighting God, and I just found him again. Thank you, brother. And I don't share that to put myself up. I'm a weak servant of God. I fail every day. But the moments I step out and choose obedience over my own selfishness, I find glory happens. Have you ever done that? You've gotten to the end of yourself? You know why I started preaching? I got sick of seeing people, I got sick of letting the fear of man and my own insecurities, I said, my passion for people's lives being changed and them being raised up for God is bigger than my fear of my own flesh. And I had to put that over this. So every time I come up here, I come up here a little angry. Not for like me, but for God's glory, for his goodness. Because I want to like, see God change your life. I want to see God move. And I'd rather do that than sit on the sidelines and sit in my shame and my anxiety. And, oh, what are people thinking about me? Well, welcome to church. Nobody's perfect. Not all of us are on a journey. So run your race. So in that same way, you matter and you have a calling. Maybe God's calling you to pray for somebody. Maybe God's calling you to witness to somebody this week. You might be the only Bible someone ever reads. You might be the only hope that somebody could ever reach. Because the truth is, I can't go out and reach your friends. Michael Baltersa, great man of God, but he can't hit up 50 work sites this week. Tomorrow I'm going to a shipyard and then I'm going to Starbucks. And then I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A. And then the Shake Shack. And then I might hit up the mall. No, Michael can't do that. He's got to prepare the word. In that same way, 
You are going to walk into the shipyard tomorrow and love on some yard birds. You're going to love on those people, and you're going you're gonna to share the gospel with them. You're going to go to your job. What's that one job you guys do in Tacoma? The port. These guys are longshoremen, and they're, they're just glorifying God. They're moving cars. They're moving ship, ships around, whatever you guys do. I don't know. But still, that's, that's the place they're called to, and God's using them. I go home tomorrow to the government job, and I, I meet people that you're never going to meet. And if I don't come ready to pray for them and love on them, who will? Amen? Last week I'm in the van and I'm riding with some of my coworkers and there's a guy behind me just gone through a divorce and he's really discouraged. And I'm like, God, God's like, hey, I want you to encourage that guy. I'm like, no, God. I'm my like headphones and I'm listening to the sermon. I won't say who so I don't get judged here. Um, anyways. Come ask me about it later. Anyway, so I'm listening to my sermon. God's like, hey, man, why don't you put your AirPods away and preach a sermon to this guy behind you? I'm like, wow, God. He's like, slaps me across the head. Love when God does that. It's like, I need it. You know what I mean? So I'm like, all right, AirPods away. Hey, man, what's going on? I just wanted to encourage you. I know you've gone through this divorce. I just want to tell you God loves you still. And this guy breaks down. And then this whole thing opens. And I'm sharing the gospel with the whole van. Just because I took one step. And this guy comes to the Lord. He's like, hey, when can we go to church in our class? I'm like, wow, come on, Lord. It's in that same way, all it takes is that one bold step. That one bold step. And you could be the encounter that somebody needs to be saved and redeemed. Amen. Well, I'm going to close it down. I'm almost done. I don't want to. One of the big adages in preaching, especially when you're a guest speaker, don't preach too long lest you never be asked back again. I'm going to try to be, I'm going to bring up the keyboarder. I'm going to close here. We have a final point. So I'm going to say point number four. Usually there's three points in a sermon. I went four. I love you guys a lot, so I thought I'd give you an extra, extra piece of bread. No, I'm just kidding. All right, in the last days, we should live with an attitude of love. It says here, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. love like your life depends on it at the end of our life nothing will matter more than loving the people in your life because the truth is when you're in the end of your life it won't matter how much money you made it won't matter how many careers you had you're not going to be there and ask hey go bring my Ferrari or go bring my mansion you're going to ask bring the people in my life that I love bring my family bring my brother bring that guy that I led to the Lord or bring that sister in Christ. So in that same way, I want to encourage you, don't let your life just be a life of religion. Let it be a life of love because it's love that changes lives. It says in the word, by your love for one another, that they will know you're children of God. Not by your religion, not by your works, but by your love for one another. And this love covers a multitude of sins. This love covers it looks at people and it overlooks little differences and it says i'm gonna love that sister and brother in christ 
that Jesus died for and, 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 and saved. And I'm going to look to that more than, oh, he dresses a certain way. His haircut's off. Or, oh, he, he likes music like that. Look past those differences and look to the heart and the soul in front of you. Love them. Cover their wrongs. Don't gossip about your brother. Don't tear him down. We don't shoot our wounded at Thrive. We bind them up. We bind them up and we love them. And I love this. It says, where love abounds in a fellowship of Christians, many small offenses, even some large ones, are readily overlooked and forgotten. But where love is lacking, every word is viewed with suspicion. Every action is liable to misunderstanding and conflicts about to Satan's perverse delight. Let us love one another. Let us look past the differences. Let us look to the souls in front of us. So as I close tonight, I did my best, Michael. I couldn't hit every verse, but I want to I wanna close with looking to Jesus because that's what tonight's all about. Why can we do, why can we have attitudes of commitment, love, prayer, and wisdom? Why? Because Jesus came to this earth and he became a man and he lived this out. Jesus responded in love. What did Jesus suffer? Well, he suffered betrayal by one of his own disciples. Jesus never had a true home. His friends abandoned him when he needed them the most. He had anxiety to the point of sweating drops of blood in the garden. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus exemplified all that we need to do in this passage. Jesus lived a life of purpose. He lived 33 years, but his 33 years counted. Every moment counted. He made the most of that. So I want us to look to Jesus tonight. I want us to look to him. And not, I don't want to preach a try harder message. I want to come up here and just say, try harder, go home and, you know, repent and be more Jesus-like. Tonight, let's fall in love with Jesus. Let's look to him and let him fill us. Let him take us to the foot of Calvary and show us what he did that night. Where you and I both deserve the cross. We were Barabbas. We were Barabbas, the, the, the rebel and thief that deserved the cross. But Jesus let Barabbas go, and Jesus took the cross for you and me, and he hung on that cross. And we went off living, and he died on that cross. And he experienced the wrath of a holy God. For three hours, it was exhausted on him. The worst part of the cross wasn't the beatings. It wasn't the, the shame that Jesus felt. He was actually beaten to the point of he couldn't even be recognized. Imagine somebody just being marred beyond recognition. Jesus took that for you and me. The worst part of the cross was when the Father turned his face away from Jesus and he experienced separation from God that he had never experienced in his whole existence. From the beginning of time, he had been one with God, the Father. But in that moment, he was alone. He said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? And he cried and he breathed his last and he died. And he rescued you and me. And if that's you tonight and you haven't, you, don't, you haven't heard that and you don't know that God loves you and you don't know that you don't have to be a slave to your sin anymore. I want to give you an opportunity. So we're going to pray. Father God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, that you can use anyone to preach your truth. God, I just pray for those here tonight that need your hope, that need truth. 
people that are that are still being robbed of the blessings in their life, the joy that you offer them. I pray for those, especially tonight, that are um, don't know you and don't haven't even received the gospel. That if they want to do that tonight, that they would, Lord. I give you an opportunity tonight if you feeling like you're drifting away from God and sin has taken over your life, shame off you in Jesus' name. No shame on you, shame off you. And if you want to return to God and say, you know what? I'm done living my way. I want God's way. And if you want to be bold tonight, just like Amanda was earlier and sharing her testimony, and if that's you, just I encourage you right now, heads bowed, eyes closed, raise your hand and say, you know what? I have something in my life that I want to surrender tonight. On three, just one, two, three. Just raise your hand, and I want to pray for you. Yeah, I see you. I see the hands. God bless you. God bless you. God sees you in your struggle, and you're not alone, and God wants to help you. So I just pray that over you guys right now. Father, I pray for those who raise their hands that are feeling downcast and ashamed. I pray that you lift them up tonight beyond their shackles, beyond the, the shame, and heal them tonight, Father. Break through their lives. So, God, we just thank you for tonight. God, we thank you for your word. Bless our small groups, God. May this night just keep getting better as we fellowship now with one another. Come move in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys.